Greetings, golf fans, and welcome to episode 88 of Playing the Tips podcast. This is the Open Championship preview and one more week on the beautiful grind. Before Pontchartrain du Détroit, I am your host, Sports Guy Ty. Find me on Twitter at Sports Guy Ty. And joining me this week from the Midway is Shallow Cal, whom you can find on the Twitters at Shallow Cal Golf. How's the shy treating you, my friend? Uh, it's been it's been a great great couple of days so far. Um, birthday dinner tonight for my fiance. We are going to Curtis Duffy and Michael Muser's two star two Michelin star restaurant called Ever. Um, very very excited for that. Uh, he Formerly, they formerly had a three Michelin star restaurant here in Chicago called Grace. Um, they closed that one down and now they're going for three stars again uh, with Ever. So super stoked. Uh, can't wait to get there. Uh, I'm glad you caught and corrected that. And they're taking her to a two Michelin star restaurant and not a two star restaurant from Yelp because I worry about how that would end for you. Uh, yeah, no, this restaurant is... Uh, is pretty fantastic. Um, probably one of the best in the Midwest. Excellent, excellent. And you said this is for the birthday? Yes, it is. All right, well, happy birthday to the fiance. All right, before we get to the podcast sauce, we have a special guest tonight. Our friend and fellow golf punter, Craig Thompson from the Chasing Pars podcast is joining us from across the pond. Edinburgh, Scotland, to be exact. You can find him on Twitter at Thompson Golf 94. Craig, how are you, my friend? I'm good, Ty. How are you? Um, thanks for having me on. It is currently 11 minutes past midnight, but uh, yeah, glad to be here. Got a cup of tea in my hand, ready to go. Open Championship Week. Hey, we appreciate your uh, your diligence and your willingness to do it. Um, we've had some fun over the years since we both started up our podcast back coming out of uh, COVID. You've been on our show several times. I believe Shallow Cal sat in with you. I uh, I served as a fill-in host for you for several weeks uh, back when you and Jamie were hosting. So we've had a lot of fun, uh, a lot of different episodes, usually around this time of year, Scottish Open, Open Championship time, always fun to get together and uh, talk a little golf. So glad to, glad to have uh, you with us again, mate. Yeah, it's great to be on, mate. Um, yeah, it's been a while. Um, a lot has changed, to be fair. I've got a new co-host, no longer Jamie. I'm now uh, doing my podcast again. I restarted it after a year away. Um, I'm now doing it with Tom Ford, who um, who's a good guy. And um, yeah, enjoying it again. And it's good to be back on. And it's a busy time of year with obviously the Ryder Cup and stuff. Uh, coming up as well so yeah a lot to look forward to absolutely good time to be getting back into the podcast scene uh shallow cow what are you sipping on for your podcast sauce out in chicago tonight um just a classic uh chicago beer uh if you're familiar with the chicago beer scene we've got uh half acres staple uh daisy cutter pale ale mm, very nice very nice uh, and we heard from Craig, a classic uh, cup of tea, because it is just past midnight uh, local time over there. I'm back on the Bat Blue Light this week. Uh, no surprise. I did uh, consider going with uh, an English beer, lukewarm, as I did, I think, a year or two ago on the show. But um, just too hard for me to turn away from the Bat Blue, especially in the middle of summer here in Michigan. I am drinking. I am. The, the beer is a pint, though. So 
uh, that's a good that's a good sign. You know, not the twelve ouncer. We got we got the full sixteen. As it should be. As it should be for this show in particular. So ditch the button there. What was the what was the Eng- lukewarm English beer? <laughs> so I actually didn't have one. Uh, my intention, we do actually have a nice um, market just down the road that carries a lot of um, both like local beer, uh, craft beer, but a pretty good international section as well. So I can't recall if it was for the Open Championship on this show last year or the year before, but I went over there and I did some browsing and landed on a name that completely escapes me now. So that was my plan and my intention, but things have been a little crazy at work here the last couple of weeks and I got sidetracked. Oh, that's fair enough, mate. And by the way, sorry, before we go on, um, happy birthday, um, Mrs. Cowell, by the way. There you go. There you go, Charles Cowell. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Carlsberg is one of the one of the beers that I know from over there. I'm sure there's there's plenty more, but uh, that's like the one that we we get here over on this side of the pond. Yeah, Carlsberg's pretty... Well, I don't know if I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, so I'm just going to say rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> we well, do the podcast explicit well, every week. Then. There you go. It's shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Craig, you ever been to an Open Championship? So I was actually at the 150th uh, Open Championship last year at St Andrews. I went on the, I believe it was a Friday and a Saturday. So yeah. Uh, my first one was last year. That's a hell of an open championship to to be your first, the 150th at the home of golf. Yeah, I mean, mixed reviews of St Andrews, to be fair. Um, from a viewing perspective, not the greatest course to view on foot, but um, yeah, as as a spectacle, yeah, it was brilliant. That's great. It's got to be a lot of walking out there on St. Andrews, boy. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a pretty long course, to be fair. Um, but I'm kind of used to that now with the Scottish Open. That's quite a long walk as well. And I was at the British Masters as well about three weeks ago um, at the Belfry. That's a pretty big course as well. So, yeah, I'm kind of used to it now. <laughs> Yeah, you've seen some pretty good golf in recent weeks. You said you were at Scottish Open as well last week. Yeah, so I was there on Saturday just past, and it felt like the shortest day ever. Mm, <laughs> what uh, happened with Tyrell, man? That was that was some shit. I was on him last week, and I thought we were I thought we were cashing cashing tickets, and then he just absolutely fell apart. Yeah, I mean, that's typical Tyrrell Hatton, to be honest. He sticks his middle finger up and then doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> that's, that is the man to a T. I was actually on TK, who was um, who ended up finishing six in, uh, well, overall. He was second after 54 holes as well, so I was a little bit pissed off at that. But, um, yeah, Tom Kim, still a good player. Couple good showings uh, back-to-back years at the Scottish Open for Tom Kim, developing a little bit of an affinity for Lynx golf early in his career. Proper ball, proper ball striker as well. Absolutely. 
Well, we have uh, reached Glory's last shot and a sure sign that summer begins to wane. I am fully aware that that is not the tagline for the Open Championship, but I do love that old tagline from the PGA Championship back um, before it moved to its current spot in the calendar in May. Uh, I was reading up a little bit on that, actually. PGA Tour negotiated with the PGA Championship as part of the deal to pull it forward from August to May, and they had to actually drop that tagline, Glory's Last Shot. Uh, I guess the PGA Tour did not like that a whole bunch, considering that the very, um, how do I call this, well-heeled FedEx Cup playoffs immediately followed that championship. All right. Well, by way of a little agenda, because we got a bunch to get to tonight, a bunch of picks. Uh, we're going to do a tournament preview, a course overview. We'll look, as we always do, at some stats to consider, as well as the weather, and then tips, picks, and best bets, as always. Shallow Cal, what do we need from the people this week and every week? Uh, well, what do we need from you guys? Uh, we need you to hit that like button. Give us a follow on Twitter, at Pod. Uh, hit the subscribe button for the Playing the Tips podcast. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Don't forget to download that episode. Leave us a review, five stars, always welcome. Uh, and this week, go give uh, Craig a follow on Twitter, ThompsonGolf94. Uh, tune into the Chasing Pars podcast if you can. Give them a, a little bit of love as well. Again, thanks to all that tune in every week. We really appreciate uh, your listenership. Craig, you want to? Yeah, Craig, you want to give us the rundown on where we can find Chasing Pars podcast? So for for us in the UK, so it's um, so mainly it's on Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts slash Google Podcasts, whatever kind of podcast provider you prefer to listen to. Um, yeah, it's obviously with it being Open Championship Week, um, a lot of a. Uh, a lot of sacrifices, etc., going to uh, churning out some content for that. So, yeah, any reviews, five star reviews, any follows, any interactions, yeah, it's appreciated. And uh, yeah, give it a listen if you can. Thank you. Great stuff all around. We do very affectionately consider the Chasing Pars podcast our sister podcast here on Playing the Tips. Uh, so be sure to give them a download as well. All right, we are up to the 151st playing of the open championship we return to royal liverpool golf club hoylake uh founded in 1869 at the race course of the liverpool hunt club didn't receive the royal designation until two years later 1871 that was due to the patronage of prince arthur the duke of Connaught, uh which i'm sure i pronounced incorrectly uh son of queen victoria course has hosted the Open Championship 12 times, most recently in 2014 for what is still Rory McIlroy's last major championship. We're also here at Hoylake in 2006 for Tiger's runaway victory. Shao Cal, what are we looking at for par and yardage this week? Uh, we've changed from uh, par 72 the last time we were here to par 71, uh, just a bit under 7,400 yards. Uh, yeah, they changed a uh, whole 10 from a 535-ish yard par 5 to a 507-yard uh, a par 4, which will definitely add a, a, a bit of difficulty. Um, and looking at that par, five, uh, par 4 now, 10th hole, that is going to be a doozy. Um, you, you know, you've got the, the fairway pinched 
at about 345 yards from the tee. So those long bombers, if they get that ball rolling, they could be in some trouble with those dunes uh, that jut into the fairway there. Craig, what what can you tell us about Harry Colt, the famous architect, uh, famous golf architect who designed Royal Liverpool? To be honest, to be honest, mate, not an awful lot. Um, That's fair. Cause I don't have an awful lot either. <laughs> never really, to be honest, I never really dig, um, dug um, too much into, like, obviously the the Harry Colt kind of designs. Um, all I know really on the course is so obviously you've you've alluded to that's uh, par seventy one. It's going to play seven thousand three hundred eighty three yards. Um, it had some additions by a guy named Martin Ebert in twenty twenty. Um, I've never heard of Martin Ebert too, so don't worry about that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> And it's been extended by 71 yards since 2014, I believe. So, yeah, it's uh, it should play tougher this year. Yeah, interested to see those changes from 2014. Also notably the 17th hole, which is now, um, would you say that was the rerouted par 3 shallow cal? I guess, I mean, the way they designed it, they, they, they took a rerouting of the course, I guess. Um, but we do have now the new shorter par 3 17th. Oh. Hole number, uh, hole number one, I believe, is number seventeen for the members. So hole seventeen here is another is a different uh, hole for the members, but it's a it's a par three and it is a dramatic par three. Um, you better hit the green there because if you don't hit that green, you are going to be in some big big trouble. Uh, long and right, you're falling back off, and you're going to be. 10 15 feet below in uh, the sand dunes uh left is a pot bunker and then uh short and right is a really steep sand dune um that you'll have to climb out of um, and really play a, a hard and tricky shot if you're if you find yourself in there to even get it up and on the green let alone get it close so it's going to be a it's going to be a doozy of a finish. I think 17 is going to uh, hopefully provide uh, some great drama as well as 18 too. Yeah, a couple tough finishing holes for sure. I've heard 17's new green complex des- uh, described as a turtle shell green. I think most recently it was John Rahm who called it that during his presser. Um you can hit a good shot and you can make a birdie there, but you can hit a good shot and you can make a big number there too, depending on the wind. I believe it was Brooks Kepka that was talking about a crosswind on 17 being the most difficult conditions to play through there. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about the weather as we get a bit further on, but when some of those winds show up for the weekend, may have an issue not only holding uh, tee shots on the green, but chip shots uh even heard a couple of the local announcers talking about putts in the in the very very high winds that this course dries out on saturday and we get some of those 30 40 mile an hour gusts uh putts could be pushed right off the green if you miss the hole so it's going to be interesting there's a lot of very uh divided opinions on the new hole on, on 17 um from all the professional golfers over there right now seeing it playing it talking about it but i'm excited to see a little bit of that drama down the stretch uh, just to say, just to say something, sorry, quickly about the about the kind of winds. Obviously, the crosswinds and stuff. Uh, 
that part of the country. Uh, that part of West England, like uh, it can be notoriously windy um, uh, next to uh, uh, well, it's going to be Merseyside, which is uh, which is just off the coast of, on the west of England. So, yeah, seventeen and eighteen could provide uh, pretty much big drama. Like it's, I'm looking forward to it. To be fair, I do hope it's like forty mile per hour wind. <laughs> Bring it on. Bring it on for an Open Championship Lynx golf. I want all the weather when we get to the weekend. Uh, Shell Cal, you take a look at any agronomy this week? Yeah, uh, the the greens are, are um, not your your typical uh, just straight fescue. Um, they've got brown top bent grass in there. Mm. Um, so a little bit of a mix there. And uh, they're going to be running slow. Um, so is slower uh as as far as you know major tournaments are concerned where you got the, your u.s open and your you know augusta running you know close to 14 on the stem this one gonna be running quite quite a bit slower um and you kind of have to do that with the way that Lynx golf is is played um you know you've got your gorse bush you've got your tall fescue um the sand dunes that they've kind of brought into play. It's a it's a flat layout. Used to be a horse racing track out there. Um, and then the, the the real story for me, I think, are, are these really strategically placed hot bunkers that are you know 275 to 300, 315 off the tee. Um, those are really going to come into play. And they're not huge like your Pete Dye uh, type style of um, fairway bunkers that you see a lot of in America. Uh, they're, they're a bit smaller, but they're so deep that um, getting out is going to be uh, a bit of a challenge if you're up against uh, some of these these bunker walls and deep bunkers. Uh, you've got uh, seven par fours over 450 yards, three par threes over 190. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough test out here for these guys. Uh, like Frank said on the coastline, there's nothing to protect you from the wind. So if that wind gets whipping, boy, uh, it's, it's going to be killer out there. Yeah, it's definitely going to be something. Uh, I've also heard too, that because of a lot of rain in that part of the world in recent weeks, that there's actually a good two to three inches of rough right now at the bottom of the fescue. I think we saw a little bit of that last week at the Scottish open. Um, but it's not your typical kind of tall, wispy dried out fescue. That's a little bit easier to hit out of normally, but you do have kind of some chunkier, gnarly rough kind of mixed down in there in the bottom. So we'll talk more about, uh, stats to consider and what we want to look at by way of that here shortly but craig any comp courses for you uh royal liverpool uh any correlating courses you looked at uh, either way um uh, to be honest i didn't really dive too much into that um i i tend to on my pod now not really look too much into correlated courses because it usually leads to a bad week I used to do that all the time, and the amount of time I I I, I was made to look like a right asshole. Yeah, um, yeah, I stopped doing that. <laughs> but uh, you, you probably got to mix it in with the classical kind of open championship um, style links courses that I would imagine. 
Yep, uh, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. Shallow Cal, anything for you this week by way of comp course? Yeah, um, I think, you know, you, you take the courses uh, around um, the the Scotland, uh, England, uh, Ireland area, um, you know, Royal St. George's, Royal Portrush, Carnoustie, Troon, uh, Muirfield. But then also, um, let's throw it back to stateside and i would say and i've been hearing a lot of this also uh tpc sawgrass and pga national um for positional off the tee um second shot golf courses that you know instead of the internal out of bounds that we see here and the fescue being your your penalty you know tpc you're going to get water pga national you're going to get water and and um it's kind of just as penal uh to be if not more maybe if you don't get that drop out of some of the fescue and you have to hack out uh then you know taking your your drop um and then and then going from there so it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see um how the guys who have played well at some of these courses go here um in uh royal liverpool i think if i think if you were to point out one it'd probably lean more towards royal port rush in 2019 just because of where it is um obviously with ireland you get a lot of wind and a lot of rain and and that type of and that part of the world in west england you you get the exact same conditions half the time so probably port rush yeah, I love the Port Rush comp. Uh, I love the the Sawgrass comp as well. Um, I, I've stumbled upon that several times in my research, and a lot of parallels there. All right, Craig. Well, uh, for little link style golf on an open championship track, what kind of stats are you looking at this week? Any strokes gained stats? Any um, just general skill sets that you're interested in as you're getting ready to form a card? So, so it's funny you say this. So, um, so obviously, it is it's going to be a, a tougher test this this weekend. The main the the main kind of um, attributes that you probably have to factor in at Royal Liverpool uh, is um, accuracy of the tee. And ironically, my first my first two picks for win only uh, for win only bets are probably two of the uh, two of the most inaccurate golfers on planet Earth. So yeah, but um, no, probably probably you you've got to be a good ball striker here. That's plain and simple. So strokes gained, uh, tee to green, um, greens in regulation. I think will will play a factor, um, especially in the wind, and obviously a decent level of putting. No, I mean, you don't have to be a fantastic putter to win here, but um, above average is probably about right. Shallow Cal, where are you looking this week for stats to consider? Um, you know, like most majors, um, I am going to look towards uh, current form. Um, guys that tend to win majors are the guys that have been playing the best all around golf. Um, and then from there, I'm looking at links specialist guys who go well on links courses, have skill sets that, that translate to, uh, to the link style. 
Strokes gained off the tee is a big one in my eyes. Uh, losing shots off the tee instantly kills your chances to win here. You need to be great off the tee. Uh, Tiger and Rory, both in 2006 and 2014, you know, holstered the driver, didn't take it out. Um, I don't think Tiger actually hit driver once that week. One time, I believe, literally one stroke. (laughs) Famously, yeah. And uh, and then he hit 86% of fairways that week. 86%. Just absolutely insane. And with the way that he strikes the ball, him from the fairway 86% of the time is going to be exactly to exactly what happened in a runaway victory. I'm looking at strokes gained approach and proximity 200 plus yards. And I'm looking at strokes gained putting and three putt avoidance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. I'll, I have... I'll let you finish off the, the, the rest of them there. Cause I know you've got quite a few. Yeah, I, you know, to be perfectly honest, I don't have a whole lot to add to what both of you said. I think that pretty well covers our bases. I am definitely with Craig on driving accuracy, um, which, again, is a little bit comical on my side as well because I've got one or two on the card that love to spray the ball. But I do think we're going to see more driver here than we did in 2014 and in 2006, and not necessarily because of the added length, because there's not a ton uh, of added length, but more so because I think the course is going to play a lot softer this year, at least the first couple days. Um, We saw that thing baked out uh, for Tiger's win, for Rory's win. Uh, They didn't need to hit driver because they were hitting two irons, you know, 310 yards (laughs) um, and hitting all those fairways. Different story this week, I think, uh, again, with um, those internal out-of-bounds stakes, plus, as I mentioned, that rough that's kind of nestled down at the bottom of some of that fescue. I think we're going to see some very good scores Thursday and Friday. Guys are going to make some birdies out here if current conditions hold. But I also think that if you're a little bit wayward, if you're a little bit off the mark, off the tee, a lot of big numbers are going to come into play, even in very, what what appears to be, you know, for Lynx Golf and in this part of the world, you know, very good scoring conditions, at least the first couple days. Um, I like scrambling as well. I'll end it there. Um, it just generally in an open test kind of scrambling and or some around the green play, um, short game specialists, a um, lot of. A lot of creativity typically required in an open championship and on some of these traditional courses. Um, So I do like guys that go well in that space. All right, Craig, you got any local weather reports for us? I mean, I got Windfinder, but we got you as eyes on the ground for the most part. So I I believe um, I believe uh, it's going to be a kind of draw draw bias on the Thursday, with um, uh, going to be towards like thirty miles per hour plus um, in the afternoon. I believe the morning not so much. Um, so in that regard, if you're looking at first round leader bets, I'd probably I'd probably go more towards the morning wave, um, and uh, it's going to be. Well, uh, it's going to be pretty pleasant from Friday and Saturday, I believe, and then obviously strong kind of wins to finish off, which is makes it exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, give me all that weather for an Open Championship. I'll take the wind. I'll take a little bit of rain on the weekend if we get it. Uh, let's have some fun. Let's uh, let's dry that course out a little bit for Saturday and Sunday and see what happens on that closing stretch on the weekend. Do think that um, I, I do think that the afternoon wave on Thursday or 
definitely going to struggle compared to the morning wave. All right. Yeah. Tip, we, I won't say typical, but often we do see a draw bias when it comes to Open Championship because of, again, those changing weather conditions very quickly in that part of the world, the wind. Um, so interesting to see how all that shakes out. John Rahm also came from uh, the wrong side of the draw in the Masters to r- win that one in a runaway. So it can be done, but, uh, but something to pay attention to, as you mentioned, Craig, particularly if you're in the first round leader market. All right, if you are interested in the WindFinder location, Hoylake uh, is where you can go to see um, some of that detailed forecast. All right, gentlemen, we have got to make some picks because we've got a lot of names to run through here. We do actually have a good bit of overlap on the cards. Um, a chance for what we'll, we'll, what we always say, Craig, is a team win if, uh, if we're both on the same golfer. Um, and then Shallow Cal is also considering several of your plays. So before we get into it, Shallow Cal, I'll just kind of let you give a rundown of what happened with your card and what's still to come. Yeah, so um, in the United States, gambling is sanctioned from state to state, and different states have different laws. And... Uh, I was traveling to Chicago, so I only got my anti-post bets in um, since I cannot make uh, the bets currently right now. But I'll be traveling back to um, Ann Arbor, Michigan tomorrow where I will be able to place bets for the rest of my card. So I've got three guys that I'm on currently and then three guys that I will um, most likely be selecting um, with uh, the rest for the rest to fill it out. so when I get back tomorrow, um, hopefully those numbers won't have crashed and we can still get some good value. Yeah, I still see some nice numbers hanging out there. There has been a little drift on some guys. Um, so interesting how that kind of continues to ebb and flow here the next 12 to 24 hours or so. All right, well, we're actually going to start with you, Shallow Cal. One of your three anti-post uh, bets that you did make uh, leads off uh, the odds boards for us. We'll kind of go in order here for the most part. Uh, Victor Hovland, 20 to 1 for you. Win only or each way? Uh, I went with the each way here. Um, this guy feels like a, a top five machine in uh, in these, and he's got a chance to to win and then fades on the last day. So I went with a little each way uh, insurance this week on old Vic. Um, you know, we, we, we saw him last year at St. Andrews um, going into the final round with a share of the lead playing in the last group faded a little bit. Um, hopefully this year will be a little bit different in the field. He's third in strokes gained uh, proximity from 200 plus yards field, uh, third in the field in strokes gained off the tee, second in uh, strokes gained total on short courses with long rough. He was a top five at TPC Sawgrass, uh, which you know we're we're looking at, um, and just an all-around ball striker. Uh, what worries me here isn't the driver, isn't the long irons, um, it's the around the green game. But if we can mitigate that with uh, some class iron play. I think that Hovland has as good of a chance as uh, as anybody if that putter can heat up a little bit, which, uh, you know, he, he is a pretty solid putter. And that around the green game has been steadily improving the last couple months. Um, definitely a different spot than he was even probably a year ago at this time. Yep. So uh, look for that ball striking. Um, 
And if that wind gets to to, to blowing, I think Vic, uh, being from, you know, uh, from Europe and playing a, a lot of um, a lot of golf growing up there, he can uh, he can adapt. Next name on the card is a player that Shallow Cal actually hit outright at the Open Championship last year. Also considering this year for a post uh, Chicago or a post return from Chicago. Uh, but Craig, we'll turn it over to you. Your first play is a win only. Uh, Cam Smith, twenty-four to one. Yeah, so here's the first part of the ironic um, hits a hits a uh, hits a million miles offline into the rough. I'll be pulling my hair out every shot he hits off the tee. But um, you've got to factor in that uh, Cam Smith is in brilliant form. Even if you don't really pay attention to the Live League, um, like I'll admit it, I'm I'm not too um I, I don't watch it that much, but I, um he's in brilliant form if you actually properly look into it. So he won at the Centurion Club last week um in England. Uh, he was twelfth the week before that. Um he was fourth at the U.S. Open, ninth at the PGA, uh, and he's also had a ninth and a second also in the Live League. So he's in brilliant form. Um, yeah, I mean, fourth, ninth, 34th, and his last four majors. Um, Cam Smith, for me, out of the Live Law, is still probably the most competitive out of the lot, and... I always fancy him to have a good run at a major championship. So, yeah, um, it was a pretty simple pick in the end for me. Um, He might be the defending champion, and a lot comes with that, like the media attention and stuff. Um, But I I think he'll cope with it, no bother. So, yeah, comes for me. Hello, Cal. I'm a little surprised that you didn't just keep the chip placed when you were making your anti-post bets uh, from Cam Smith a year ago. Yeah, I, was, I, I don't know what I was thinking there. Um, I, I was kind of hoping for his number to drift back a little bit um, away from, I think it was like 16. Um, I want to say when I was looking. Um, so I was I was hoping that Monday drift might be into the 20s. Uh, I like I like that spot, but I even like him with a win only in uh, probably all the way down to uh, – you know, 16, maybe 14. Um, it's been like, you know, like Craig said, playing some incredible golf lately. Incredible putter, iron striker, uh, one of the best wedge players in the world um, from distance and from around the green. Um, we saw last year how creative he can be with his shots, and boy, uh, can he putt the lights out. Probably one of the best uh, putters on the earth. Uh, driver a bit loose, but when he needed, uh, like he showed when he won at Sawgrass, the other aspects of his game can more than make up for a little bit of a loose driver. And uh, who knows, maybe he doesn't even pull, uh, you know, driver a la Tiger in uh, 2006, and he uh, and he can just go on to win that way. I really hope he doesn't pull out the driver, to be honest. So just so <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Yeah, going to be interesting dynamic there for Cam Smith, no doubt about it. All right, I'll jump in next. My only win-only play of the card. I'm two and a half points on Ricky Fowler, 25 to 1. 
I did grab some free top 10 insurance as well to return the wager if he does hit top 10. Uh, Narrative Street for Ricky, a little bit for me here, but married up with playing some really good G lately. I've actually got several golfers on here that take me on a trip down uh, Narrative Lane, but we'll get to that a little bit more as we go on. Third at Royal Liverpool in 2014, so obviously has had some success here on the course. Again, different setup this time around, but still think that as a whole it really plays to the strength of his game. Obviously been playing some great golf coming in, uh, culminating in that win in Detroit a few weeks back. Got the monkey off his back. How can I not bet Ricky Fowler after walking with him inside the ropes on Friday of the Rocket Mortgage Classic? Got to be on my card. Uh, Good in majors, pretty darn good in open championships. He's got three top fives and just a single missed cut in 11 tries. His ball striking been good. Just general game has really been on point lately. Seventh in strokes gained approach this season. Eighth in strokes gained tee to green. Very good around the green player, ranking 17th on tour. And importantly, that putter has returned uh, 30th on tour this season for strokes gained putting. Give me some Ricky Fowler, 25 to 1 with two and a half points, win only. All right, Shallow Cal, back to your boy, uh, Tyrrell Hatton, 28 to 1. Man, this guy better fucking win me a bet. Um, I'm telling you, this guy is this guy is in such great form right now. Uh, last week, just some boneheaded mistakes. Um, I really thought when he was uh, when he was, I woke up and I look and I see he's uh, shot four under on the front nine. I was starting to spend that money in my head. I thought we were gonna do it. Um, but, uh, this year there have been some guys who have been knocking on the door. I miss Jason day. I missed Ricky Fowler and I will not miss Tyrell Hatton this week. Top five at TPC Sawgrass, usually a great putter, knows how to play in this weather, um, knows how to play Lynx golf, keep that, uh, temperament down and, and, and play some good golf. And if we see a winning score around uh, eight to 10, maybe 12 under par, I think, uh, I think that's his sweet spot. And that's what I'm hoping for. 28 to one, my boy, t Rao. Coming at some point for you. Got to. It's got to. This is like Spieth in 2021, man. <laughs> Finally, until he finally fucking cashes one. <laughs> yep. I just think, sorry, sorry, but in again, but I just think with Hatton, if it's going to get windy and, um, yeah, and I just think with, I just think with the rough and stuff, I just think he's going to get seriously frustrated and that's, and yet again, that's going to be his downfall. Otherwise, I would be all in. Yeah, we've certainly seen that temper come into play, both for the good and for the bad for Mr. Hatton, but uh, in those very difficult conditions has tended to be a little bit more on the poor side with that temper getting out of control. All right, well, Shallow Cal mentioned Jordan Spieth. That's where we're going to head next. Uh, Craig, you've got a bet on him at 40 to uh, forty to 1, win only. Shallow Cal is also considering, uh, again, when he's back in a legal betting state. Uh, but why Jordan Spieth this week, Craig? So a lot of people are going to disagree with me, and that's fine. 
But um, yeah, so if you look on current form, why am I betting Jordan Spieth when he's missed four cuts in his last six starts? Um, I just think this is it's just normal Jordan Spieth for me. Like um, he, he he has a spell where where he, where he plays re- really shit to be honest, and then. When a major championship comes, he just he's just a different animal for me. And yeah, if you actually look at his open record here, so I'm just gonna quickly give you this one, okay? So if you actually properly look into it, so tied eighth last year, second in twenty twenty one, tied twentieth at Port Rush in twenty nineteen, tied twelfth in twenty eighteen, tied twenty eighth in twenty seventeen. Tie 13th in 2016 and second at St Andrews in, 20, in, in 2015. So in his last seven starts at the Open Championship, he hasn't finished worse than tie 28th. There you go. That's all you need to know. Shallow Cal, that push you over the edge. You you hitting you clicking Jordan Spieth when you're back. Yeah, uh, probably um, probably am. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna drop one stat on you, and that is going back to 2014. He's gained an average of 2.34 strokes per round on Lynx style courses. I don't know what it is about these Texas boys. If uh, you know Texas courses kind of correlate a little bit better, um, you know Scotty tends to kind of you know backdoor top fives, uh, you know. And and he's always kind of hanging around in the open. Um, but Jordan, also from Texas, can play in that Texas wind. Um, he ranks in the top five in putting on slow greens. So, you know, with, uh, with that combined with kind of Jordan's just overall game, you know, he he's not a T – fairway approach green two putt par kind of player he's a t rough green one putt birdie you know or t you know green side bunker up and down for par he's just a magician from anywhere he recovers so well he scrambles he's creative he's a cerebral player Um, he's won an open championship before and that's why I like Jordan and where I was seeing his numbers at uh, previously on Sunday, he was 20 to one on Sunday. And now, Ty, I believe he's in the 30s. So definitely going to get a hard look from me when I get back to Michigan. That's a positive uh, so, so, so I, made a, I made a rookie error. Obviously, I said in 2017, <laughs> Uh, in 2017, he was tied 28. That's bullshit. That was the year he won. I forgot about that. But yeah, he's won. He's he's won the Open Championship before as well. And uh, I'm just gonna put that. Uh, I'm just gonna put this out there. But it's he's actually he's actually for um, strokes gained off the tee overall this season on the PGA Tour is actually fine. He's forty. He's, he's forty six um, overall off the tee. It's just the putter that's really, really letting him down this year. Which is crazy because you think of Jordan Spieth. You know when Jordan was winning all those tournaments, and what was carrying him? It was that putter. I and mean, he was such a good putter. 
Yeah, really weird to see when the flat stick's not working for Jordan Spieth, but it hadn't been for some time now. All right, well, I'll jump back in here. Um, I'm going one point each way on Matt Fitzpatrick, 45 to 1. Shallow Cal, you really ruined my morning when you sent me those quotes. Uh, what do you have to say for yourself? I am sorry. I am sorry for your great white hope. Uh, the the Matt Fitzpatrick Open Championship. He, if he doesn't believe he can do it, I don't know if I believe that he can do it. I mean, those it better be some like damn reverse psychology or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, can I can I just say as well that um um well. Um, Justin Thomas is my main fade, but like, if I had to pick a second fade, it's Matt Fitzpatrick, mate, I'm afraid. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, like Shallow Cal said, if he doesn't believe he can win an Open Championship, I'm losing a lot of faith as well, unless we're we're playing some mind games here to some reverse psychology. I do. Uh, I have seen the quotes prior to this week that Lynx Golf is not his favorite test, um, that it just, you know bewilderingly doesn't fit his game but he is a little squirrely off the tee particularly so this year that's probably my biggest concern with Fitz been a little bit out of sorts as late uh as well since his win at Harbortown very kind of up and down run there some really good golf uh with a ninth at Memorial 17th at the U.S. Open he's got a couple missed cuts sprinkled in there so yeah I don't love it it's not my favorite play on the card but as I mentioned at the top I am walking down uh, narrative street on a few of these plays and I am leaning into it a little bit for Matt Fitzpatrick. One of two chances on my card this week to break the drought of Englishmen winning the Open Championship. Uh, the last being Sir Nick Faldo in 1992 at Mirfield. I do think that means something to Fitzpatrick. Um, you know, coming off the U.S. Open win at Brookline, which obviously couldn't have been better scripted for who he is, uh, where his career came from, winning an amateur championship there. I got to believe that next in line for him, now that he's got Harbor Town checked off as well, is finding a way to get an Open championship, despite what he says about the, the course fit and, and really just links fit for his game. I got to believe that's something important to him. Um, he does like a difficult, windy test of golf, gains nearly a stroke per round on the field in difficult conditions, uh, likewise in windy <laughs> conditions. So I'm hanging on to that and the putter. Um, if it starts blowing real hard this weekend, uh, I feel a little bit better about Fitzy's chances. Um, excellent putter. And, and again, as Craig mentioned, you know, don't have to be a fantastic putter here, but having a good flat stick in the bag definitely helps. 14th in strokes gained putting this year, and I think importantly, uh, third in strokes gained putting from four to eight feet. Uh, tend to see some of those longer putts for par on link style courses, so I like that he's very good, particularly in that range. Pretty good scrambler as well, uh, 17th overall on tour this year in strokes gained scrambling. All right, Craig, back to you. A couple live plays on the card, following up Cam Smith with Bryson DeChambeau at 50 to one. I like this play. I do. If for no other reason than I opened a box of golf cards last week and I hit a Bryson true rookie auto out of 299. So let's go ahead and get another championship. Drive that thing up in value a little bit for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't ask me why I bought Bryson DeChambeau. He's, he's probably up there with one of my least favorite golfers in the world, but 
Um, I just, I don't know, from what I've seen from him recently in 2023, seems to be improving in most aspects of the game. And he still, he still cares, really, when it comes to the major championships. He still wants to win. And, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've not really dived too much into the love stats. I don't think it really matters too much. Um, but yeah, when it comes to when it comes to major championships, um, Bryson, you've you've still got to you've still got to think he he's dangerous when he's on his game. And uh, yeah, fifty to one, I think, is a good price to be fair. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good price on Bryson as well. Certainly showed that he does still have that gusto to compete in majors. Um, Shall Cal, we're starting to get into that range now. Where you probably thinking about looking at Tom Kim. Uh, see him right now in, in local books in the States as low as 50 to one. Uh, some no, I'm sorry, as low as 45 to one. Some numbers creeping up as high as 75 to one. Uh, but why is he on your short list uh, for finishing off the card? Um, 11th in proximity from 200 plus yards, seventh in greens and regulation, 10th in strokes gained approach, uh, hits, 66% of his fairways, that's good enough for sixth on tour. Um, he's performed well at the Scottish Open. He did fine at St. Andrews, but St. Andrews is more of uh, that pure power course, um, and he just doesn't have that pure power. So if he's going to, if we're going to trade that pure power uh, test in St. Andrews for a, a really an accuracy uh, competition off the tee here, I'll take Tom Kim all day. Um, if you take a look at TPC Sawgrass, um, he gained four strokes off the tee at TPC Sawgrass. That's that, uh, you know, those positional courses. If the rest of his game uh, fires, he's uh, he's going to be he's going to be a contender. And um, if he can get that ball rolling with the flat stick and not lose strokes putting, I think we'll see uh, old Tom Kim up near the top of the leaderboard come Sunday. Tommy Kim. Our guy. All right. Well, we'll stay tuned to see uh, see if he makes it on the final card or not. I've got one point each way on Tony Finau, 50 to 1. More than anything, um, a good number on a player who's out of form right now. Uh, I like a little bit of the value here as I get a little bit longer on my card. Um, chasing some of that with this Finau play. He does everything well required of Lynx Golf. He's an excellent tee to green player, a flusher of the ball, uh, sixth in ball striking on tour this year, um, 33rd in strokes gained scrambling, 36 in strokes gained around the green as well. So should set up pretty nicely. He's got an excellent record at Open Championships, hasn't missed a cut in six career appearances, two top tens, including third in 2019 at Portrush. Never really seriously contended uh, that year to chase down Shane Lowry, but a nice solid, I believe it was a solo third actually, um, in 2019. Been flying under the radar a bit uh, since his win down in Mexico. Earlier this year, uh, after the win, no better than T23, which came in his very next start at the Wells Fargo. Got two missed cuts, including his last time out at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Uh, Tony Finau was also part of that threesome that I walked with on Friday. It was Ricky Fowler, Tony Finau, Joel Damon. Had a great time with Damon, as we detailed a couple weeks ago on the podcast. Uh, really engaging. Both he and his caddy, Gino Benelli, having a bunch of fun with us. Even Ricky uh, chirping a little bit and his caddy uh, chiming in every now and again. But nothing 
from Finau and from his caddy. Uh, just completely shut off from engaging. Again, don't blame him. He's a professional golfer. He's at work. Uh, doesn't want to be bothered. But just not uh, kind of the engagement I would have predicted from Tony Finau. Uh, not even actually shaking the sign kid's hand after the round. Just kind of bizarre. Um, but I digress, again, from the missed cut at the Rocket Mortgage. Really coming in, flying under the radar without a lot of pressure. And I think maybe that's not a bad spot for Tony Finau because he is somebody for so long who has had to deal with the expectation of having loads of talent um, and for the longest time only having the win in Puerto Rico before he finally broke through, kicked down the door and got several in succession there. So the fact that he's not uh, kind of in the, the subconscious of a lot of folks this week, I think actually plays well for him, maybe kind of staying uh out of the spotlight, out of the limelight for a little bit helps his game round back into form again uh, on some links golf where he has performed admirably in the past. All right, Shallow Cal, uh, your last uh, play so far. Again, you're all anti-post at this point, having to make your bets in Michigan Sunday night before you left the state for Chicago a couple days. You do intend to add to the card, uh, but we've been through Victor Hovland and uh, Tyrrell Hatton for you so far, and now Wyndham Clark, 55-1. to one. Yeah, um, great iron striker, great around the greens. Um, I think he would have been better in contention last week if he had putted a little bit better. I remember day one Thursday thinking, uh, we're dead in the water here if uh, if this putter doesn't get going. He missed some, some you know, uh, five to ten footers on, on day one that really could have vaulted him up the leaderboard. And even though he was was three under, I believe um, it, it just didn't 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 look great. Um, he has uh, gone to the next level this year. His skill set, um, he's going to be around for a long time to come. Driver of the golf ball, um, if he can harness that driver a little bit and use some of that length, and maybe you know maybe with those long irons uh, find some more fairways here and be a little bit longer than uh, the other guys who are hitting iron uh, i think that bodes well for him great on approach so let's see uh, let's see windy sea have a good week out by the windy sea man it'd be something if we were sitting here next tuesday talking about Wyndham clark two-time major champion that would be incredible Fun fact about Wyndham Clark, um, actually, just um, so those of you that tuned into my podcast over the past like couple of seasons will know that uh, I bat Wyndham Clark off of a cliff uh, for about two years straight, and funnily enough, his two wins I've not been on. So how gutting is that? So gutting that both Shallow Cal and I can relate. It's basically become a pain in the arse now for um, I, <laughs> always missing out on Mindy scene. <laughs> I feel the same way. It was. It, it's actually kind of been a running joke on our podcast for about the last 12 to 18 months because both Shallow Cal and myself have lined up 
multiple times uh, to back Windy C at the old Benton window, only to be sorely disappointed every single time. And so kind of our, our joke and our tagline is that this guy fucking sucks. <laughs> and we just keep going back and betting him. And sure enough, same deal. We both hopped off at probably about the same time you did, Craig. Missed the Wells Fargo. Shallow Cal got some redemption. Uh, 80 to 1 was on Wyndham Clark at uh, LA Country Club. But Damn, it's been a similar frustrating ride for both of us over here too. Oh, don't, don't, I don't need the reminder. Honestly, it's us. Oh, honestly, it just, <laughs> it, it just makes you reevaluate life when, <laughs> when a player you uh, took solid for like two two years straight does that. It's really really annoying. No doubt about it. All right, Craig. Well, you and I have two opportunities for a team win this week on the cards. Uh, we will start first with Justin Rose. I'm on him a little bit longer odds. My guess is you've got a little bit better uh, places on him. 40 to 1 for you, 60 to 1 for me. Um, why do you like Justin Rose this week? So, um, funny story, actually. When it comes to Justin Rose, I think I've backed him in every single major this year. Um, I think, uh, uh, and if not, then maybe three of the four majors this year. I just think, you know what you're going to get with Justin Rose. He's a quality operator. Um, he's a major champion, obviously winning in 2013 US Open champion. Um, yeah, he's, he's just, he's having, a, he's having a little bit of a, resurrection this season obviously he's, he won at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am in February um, you just when it comes to the bigger tournaments I always have Justin Rose in my head that he's, always, he's, he's a quality player and he's, he's always going to give you a run for your money and with um, with managing to get 10 places on Justin Rose at 40 to 1 just think it's really, really good value to be honest. And um, if you look at some of the stats this this season on the PGA Tour, so he's seventeenth for approach, um, for approach, thirty third in strokes gained putting, forty uh, seventh for total driving, twenty uh, ninth for driving accuracy. I just think I just think Justin Rose has got all, and I would not be surprised if he's in contention come Sunday. I feel very similarly, obviously, having uh, bet him as well. I'm only out to seven places, and thus the bit longer number at 60 to 1. I don't bet Justin Rose a lot. I don't consider betting Justin Rose a lot, to be perfectly honest, because he has been a very frustrating golfer over the past, uh, shoot, half decade to, you know, six, eight years or so. But I'm with you on majors always a player that i at least have my eye on when it comes to the majors just because his game is so solid and in these toughest tests uh he is a major champion as you mentioned 2013 at the u.s open also finished fourth on debut at the open championship as an amateur at royal burkdale in 1998 kind of his uh you know burst on the scene moment when the whole golfing world took note of who Justin Rose was, um, also has a runner-up finish here in 2018, so I do like his Open Championship form. Um, I said earlier that Nick Faldo was the last Englishman to win the Open Championship, but the last Englishman to win in England, Tony Jacklin in 1969. 
Justin Rose ended a fairly sizable drought a decade ago for his only major, becoming the first Englishman since actually again Tony Jacklin to win the U.S. Open, who did so in 1970. So I kind of like that storyline as well. I've teased it multiple times, but narrative straight. I'm a sucker for it when it comes to the majors, and I just love the storyline and how that sets up for Justin Rose. So I'm with you, Craig. Um, let's try and get a team win. I believe he finished. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he finished 23rd in 2014, I believe. So, like, uh, obviously, at this course. We like that, too. Yeah. Um, if you actually, like, as I say, I backed him at three to four majors because I feel like he's a major player. If you actually look at his last five majors, um, uh, miscut, unfortunately, at the um, at the US Open. No, it wasn't even the US Open. I'm sorry, just give me one second. <clears throat> no, it was the US Open. I'm chatting up a shit. I do apologise. It's one o'clock in the morning here. But... Um, <laughs> You need no, another cup so, of that delicious tea. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, so miscut at the US Open, ninth at the PGA Championship, 16th um, at the Masters Tournament, um, 37th and 13th. So that's um, so that's three top 20 finishes in his last five majors. So, yeah. When you when you talk about major player, yeah, it's it's not to be stepped up. Rock solid. All right, one more play across our three cards before we get into the triple digits. At that point, we'll bring Shallow Cal back in, see who he's interested in as we get into potentially a few of the longer shots. But before that, uh, Craig, another play for you. Bob McIntyre, 66 to 1. Oh, good old Bob McIntyre. Eh? I was absolutely heartbroken, to be honest, for the lad. Um, Gutted. Gutted for Bob last Sunday. Honestly, uh, honestly, it, it made me it, it made me quite sad to be honest. That um, obviously Bob McIntyre he played probably one of the best Sundays of his career um, to get to fourteen under last week in the Scottish Open, only for Rory McIlroy to do that and nick it from him at the last minute. I believe. Like, I believe that was Bob McIntyre's time, and to have it like um, taken away from him like that uh, at his home open as well, that's absolutely gutting. I believe that that's like that's like a kick in the balls, I think. But if you if if you look at if you look at Bob this year, um, if you look at uh, Bob in general, actually in the last couple of months, he's actually in very very good form. Um, so second, fourth, 39th, 18th missed cut and 14th um, in his last six starts worldwide. Um, very, very solid. Um, if you look at his three, um, three tournaments playing in the Open Championship, tied six in 2019 at Fort Rush, tied eighth in 2021, tied 34th last year. So in three attempts, no, no worse than tied 34th. That's pretty impressive. And actually, the most impressive start out of the lot for me is in 11 major starts as a pro, he's only missed one cut. Pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. With four top 25 finishes in 11 majors, that is pretty impressive. I love Bob McIntyre. 
as I said, as I said on the uh, on my podcast that I've done just a couple of hours ago, I said to Tom, my co-host, that I kind of put Bob McIntyre in the same kind of range as Tyrrell Hatton in regards to if they're going to win a major championship, I think it's going to be an open championship. And, uh, yeah, I just think the sky's the limit for, uh, for good old Bobby Mack, and um, I would not be surprised if he's in contention again. Uh, this week, um, at 66-1, to 1, again with 10 places, proper value there for a guy that has only missed one cut in 11 majors, so pretty impressive. Yeah, very impressive indeed. Good golfer in a lot of ways again just truly gutted for bob because i was right there with you i thought he had that scottish open wrapped up last week all right shallow cal before we exit um into the triple digits anybody else you're thinking about in this range kind of that 60 to 80 90 100 to one or so yeah man uh see woo kim see, woo um rex flair eh? (laughs) (laughs) you know this guy is is he's one at sawgrass um he's just uh your prototypical positional second shot golf course uh player um if he was ever going to win an open championship i think it's got to be this course and uh he's very intriguing depending on what number uh you can get him at um uh, and then the other one um, that I kind of have a little bit of FOMO that I always bet on courses like this where it could be windy and there could be weather is uh, freaking Joaquin Neiman. Waco. Yeah, Waco. And uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, he hasn't paid off, but I bet that motherfucker all the time. And. <laughs> Uh, the time, I'm afraid, the time that I don't do it, he's going to go crazy and win the tournament. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but he actually had some pretty decent anti-post numbers, if I'm recalling, that got slashed. Well, now I say that, there's still some 150s hanging around out there on Waco, so there's, there's still some opportunity. And so I saw him at anti-post, he was hovering around, anti-post, he was hovering around 100 to uh, 90 to 1. So those numbers are even better than what you were seeing. So that might be something I look at for uh, for a little little play there. And then uh, also maybe a little first-round leader action. I like it. Baco. Yeah, so I'm, I'm on Hideki this week. One point each way at 100 to 1, which, to be perfectly honest, was a jarring number to see on Hideki Matsuyama in 2023 at a major championship. Downright disrespectful, if you really want to get to it. Um, 80s, still widely available on him. I believe that is still very worth it and very much a value still. He is low-key playing some very good G of late. Everybody looks back to the missed cut the last time out in a shootout at Detroit Golf Club, which is assuredly why we saw some of those triple-digit numbers early that have pretty much vanished at this point. Um, But I'm okay with overlooking that. Um, Before Detroit, he made eight straight cuts. In that stretch, six top 25s, including a fifth at the Players' Championship, and he was no worse than 32nd during that streak. 
I think sort of like Tony Finau, um, Hideki Matsuyama has burned some people uh, in recent big tournaments, big events. And so he's kind of fallen again out of our subconscious in a lot of ways. He's he's contended again in that like top 12 to 16, top 20-ish range without really ever threatening a win. I think that's why, again, we got some of these bigger numbers, maybe people off them. I am glad to take that. Last 24 rounds in this field, third for strokes gained approach, fifth strokes gained tee to green, and 12th ball striking. Just for good measure, also 13th in strokes gained around the green, uh, last 24 rounds in this field. So I like where Hideki's going, how he sets up. He has seen Royal Liverpool in major championship competition. He was 39th here in 2014. Hasn't had a ton of success in Open Championships of late, but he does have a best finish of sixth on debut in 2013. Also two additional top 20s. Um, another player I like just for the fact he's built for Lynx golf or really just an Open Championship in general. Supreme ball striker, world-class scrambler, 12th on tour. His lone major came at Augusta, which um, certainly not a comp course, a correlating course, but the way in which you approach Augusta in a major in some ways is similar to how you approach link style golf with a lot of those tiered greens and the way they slope and run off and what you're having to do with a lot of that short game around the green. Certainly scrambling comes into play. So I do like the fact that the one major he had came at Augusta. All right, Craig, back to you. Uh, Brian Harmon, 125 to one. <laughs> It's a funny fact that there's three three left-handers in the field, and I've took two of them. What a chance of that! You love you some lefties, huh? I remember seeing we saw Brian Harmon up close at uh, DGC. Boy, is he a little guy! I mean, he is tiny, tiny yeah. guy with the big uh, with the world's biggest putter. Yeah, yeah that is right. The truth. Yeah. Uh, but no, um, when it comes to Brian Harmon, um, it's it's difficult to kind of gauge what kind of what kind of player you can describe Brian Harmon as, and maybe go as a little bit of a journeyman. Is that a little bit disrespectful? I don't know. I don't know where you're taking Brian Harmon as, but he just seems to be he just seems to be such a kind of steady player nowadays, um, which. It's a little bit surprising, to be fair. Um, if you actually look at his form, it's pretty pretty good. Um, 12th last week in a Rolex Series event at Scottish Open. Um, he was in the top 10 at one stage, going into the Saturday. I actually seen a couple of his shots on Saturday, and yeah, he looked quite good. Um, pretty steady. Um, uh, if you look before that, 9th, 2nd, 43rd. Miscut in a 29, so um, pretty steady form. He was sixth at St Andrews last year, um, which I believe is his second best major finish. Um, so that's that's got to be some sort of personal achievement. Um, I believe he was tied second at one of the US Opens. I think it might have been 2017, 2018, something like that. But um, yeah, that was his second best major finish. Um, which is pretty good for a player like Harmon. Um, he's actually got um, three top 25 finishes um, at the Open Championship, so uh, I kind of like that about him as well. Uh, he just seems to be a pretty solid player nowadays. Um, 
think it's a really good price to be fair for a player that can that can help. I'm I'm actually surprised that 125 to one is what's stuck on Brian Armin because I do think that's a big number. Yeah, I just think with a little bit of the kind of liking to Lynch golf and pretty respectable finishing 12th last week in a in a high quality field, 125 to one seems a very very big price to me. I'm with you. I am with you on that number on Brian Harmon. I am with you on another bet as well, Craig. Uh, our second opportunity for a team win this week. Uh, we'll close out all three cards across the board. I'm uh, I'm 0.75 points each way on Ewan Ferguson. Bigger number for me at less places. Again, 350 to one on my end, out to seven places. Craig, you got him at 225 to one. Uh, you know, by this point, I love some narrative street, very familiar with Royal Liverpool. He was the 2013 boys amateur champion here in Hoylake, actually became the first player to hold that crown as well as the Scottish boys and Scottish boys stroke play titles at the same time. Trended in the right direction as well, Craig, after the performance last week at the Scottish Open. Yeah, um, master. <laughs> It's funny because, um, you know, when you go to view other groups on the course and then you kind of walk back in a certain direction and you can't get enough of, like, the player um, the player you've kind of just left. So in that case, it was you and Ferguson last week. So I did see quite a bit of them, didn't I? <laughs> like, even to. But, um, yeah, no, um, yeah, you and Ferguson... It is his um, major championship debut, um, believe it or not. So, um, I mean, pretty pretty special place for him um, to actually have his major championship debut um, at the scene of his 2013 Boys Amateur Championship win. So, that could be a good thing for him. Um, if you look at his uh, current form on the DP World Tour, uh, 12th in a really strong field last week, um, fourth at the Belfry as well. I actually took him at the Maiden Himmerland where he withdrew, so I was kind of gutted about that. Um, a couple of missed cuts before the Belfry, but before that he had a 14th and an 8th, so some very, very strong showings on the DP World Tour. Um, this year, he's a two-time winner on the DP World Tour, for those of you that don't know. Um, very, very strong player. I just feel, I just feel it 225 to 1 for a guy that that um, will have some very, very good memories from this course. I feel it's a very, very big place. Um, he's a very, very good player. Um a little bit miserable um, from <laughs> a, a little bit miserable from um, actually getting up close and personal um, with him <laughs> on Saturday, but yeah, I mean, very very good player. For those of you, for, for those of you that haven't bought you and Ferguson, yeah, please do. We can all win together. Shallow cow, he is speaking directly to you. And by the way, that 350 to one with seven places, 
still available on Bet Rivers for you and Ferguson. Boy, uh, might place a small bet on old uh, you and Ferguson. It, rumor has it he played Obi Wan Kenobi in uh, the <laughs> Star Wars trilogy. Is that true, or is that you and McGregor? I can't, I can't differentiate yeah, the two. Yeah, you McGregor. <laughs> but, but, but to be fair, he currently looks like he needs a massive haircut, and he's starting to look like. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the correct saying is, but like a kind of knockoff version of Ricky Fowler at the moment. <laughs> Great. Um, yeah. I, you know, I'm probably gonna bet uh, you in in some type of way, um, whether it's you know the outright with the each way attached to it, uh, top twenty, top forty. Just got to get back into uh, back into Michigan and see what kind of numbers we can get on the on this on this guy. Um, if you actually look at the top 20 market, sorry, I'll just quickly get it up, but it'll be a pretty good price, I feel, um, especially being that far down the odds board. Um, if you just give me one second, I'll try to find Ferguson. While you're looking uh, for those, have you got them? Uh, yeah, just one sec, so you can get so you can get like the likes of six to one on them for a top 20 finish and, and, and a couple of the books here in the UK. So yeah, pretty big price to be fair for a top 20. Truly, truly. And I will make the connection as well um, to what you mentioned earlier, Craig, a multi-time winner on uh, the, the um, DP world tour, former European tour. Uh, one of those wins was the 2022 Qatar masters and if you look at the list of winners in Doha, you've got names like Ernie Els, Adam Scott, Sergio Garcia, Henrik Stenson, even Paul Lowry. Some nice crossover, both with major champions and players who pl- play well in open type tests, kind of that exposed deserty golf course over there in Doha. So I think there's just a lot to like with you and Ferguson this week. I backed him last week, uh, had a runner for a couple rounds at least until he kind of came apart on the weekend uh, for the for finishing T12 at the Scottish Open. I'm back on it uh, again at this range. I'm not certain that I truly believe he can win an Open Championship on debut here, but with seven places at 350 to one, just too big of a number, too much value for me to pass up for a second week okay. in a row. He's actually in the DP World Tour, so like he, he ranks like 30th for like um, 30th in like uh, tee to green and approaching the green. So he's a very very good ball striker. Um, when he gets the putter going, he can make um, he can make a ton of bogeys. But I always class you and Ferguson as a grinder. So if you actually look at um, if you actually look at his two wins. On the DP World Tour, so they be, so they both come in 2022. So you alluded to the Qatar Masters. He won at seven under there by one, in very very windy conditions, um, and this is going to be pretty windy this week. Um, and the and he was 12 under at the ISPS Handa World Invitational. So if it does get tough. Ferguson could very well be your man. I would love that. I would love it to get tough and for him to just be in contention on the weekend. That is what I'm signed up for. 
All right, Shallow Cal, we're going to give you the opportunity to close this out if you'd like. Uh, your card's a bit shorter. You've mentioned a few players you're considering, a few FOMO plays as well. Anybody else you want to hit on? Any other FOMO? Any other names we haven't discussed that you're thinking about? Yeah, I think um, I think my fade this week is uh, is Fitzpatrick with with what you said, and um, I'm going to also you know the draw for Brooks Kepka intrigues me and it's going to be something I'm going to keep my eye on as he's playing with a couple of slower players and you know Brooks usually likes that fast um get up there assess and hit um he's not really a guy that takes a, a, a long time um so I, I'm watching I'm watching Brooks and then you know you have him on your card Ricky Fowler um are we going to see him be in contention at a major again. Um, he was, you know, obviously uh, the the disaster at the U.S. Open, um, which really sucked for, for people who had Ricky. I had Windy C, so it was great for me. But you hate to see that kind of a, um, uh, a, a final round. And hopefully Ricky can, uh, can come back in and, and have another good major. Yep, that's what I'm banking on. I uh, don't want to miss that one as well. Also, my guy from Rocket Mortgage Classic. All right, well, that is going to wrap us for this week. A huge thank you to our buddy, uh, Craig Thompson, for joining us from the Chasing Pars podcast. Uh, be sure to follow him on Twitter. Download the Chasing Pars podcast as well. As a reminder, you can see all of our picks for the Open Championship by following at Playing Tips Pod on Twitter. Craig, thank you for being here. Shallow Cal, let's go well, my friend. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me on, mate. Um, Albeit so early in the morning, but yeah, it was worth it.